Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. Money, money, money. I am hearing that there seems to be a need to understand church finances a bit. Just several things have caught my attention and that some pastors get placed in churches and realize they don't have the skill set to know what's being talked about when it comes to church finances. So while this is not a comprehensive course in that, these are some of my thoughts that I think will be helpful. You can always email me at Margie at Margie Bryce, that's B-R-Y-C-E, Margie at MargieBryce.com if you have a specific question, and I'd be glad to help or get you a direction. But I was blessed personally to have been a business owner prior to ministry, and I also was the finance department for my business, so I had to learn all of this. Plus then, I was also a newspaper reporter back in the day, and yes, This is highly relevant, highly relevant. So I had to understand budgets and other financial processes so that I could write articles about what the city or the entity was proposing to do and how they did it or how they had the funds to pull that off. And I'm basically not afraid of numbers. I thought at one point in my life I was going to be a math teacher. So I took a silly amount of math in college, even the abstract stuff. So basically, I'm a nerd when it comes to numbers. And I also served on a nonprofit board where I had to look at budgets and financial reports and all of that kind of stuff. So along the way, I have acquired an ability in this area. And also, I'm like cheap. And my husband is even cheaper. And over the span of our marriage, we have pinged and ponged the responsibility for paying bills back and forth. Um, You know, things like we love, 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 90 days, same as cash, and pay it off at day 85. You know, we are those people. We calculate stuff out to see what makes sense and what doesn't, and we love a good deal. So it is with all of those credentials that I offer kind of a big picture look at church finances, and I will include... um, near the end of this, a bit about how pastors get paid and what that does. I don't know. I'm going to say for us, but maybe it's to us. I don't know. So anyhow, this is my FAQ about church monies and all of that. First off is expenses. That is like money going out, money spent. You know, your church does operate like a household. You have expenses, the cost of operating, you know, technically referred to as operating expenses. These are things like the electric bill, the gas bill, the mortgage or rent costs, salaries, office supplies, fees, and supplies to do ministry. 
coffee expense. You know, all the cups, creamer, sugar, lids, stirs. You probably have media-related expenses as well um, for your website, all of these things. These are referred to as, you know, the bills. Pretty simple stuff, right? So your finance person should produce a monthly report to show how the money was spent during that month, and they categorize everything. Uh, these might be checks written or electronic payments made. If you are lucky enough, and I'm putting that in air quotes, lucky enough, you can't see that or hear it, but there's air quotes. If you're lucky enough to have a debit card, and hopefully you would have a policy of how that can be used, this will generate a statement once a month showing all the transactions for that particular spending time. And you need to keep each and every stinking receipt for that. <laughs> and each and every time someone hands you a receipt, you need to just jot on it or make a note somehow what that was for because this is important information. And here I'm sharing with you something so that your finance person will just think you are the bomb. You are amazing. So you want to provide this info to your business manager or finance person. So each month you're going to go through and categorize your card-related expenses and work with your finance person on this so you know ahead of time the categories. You know, here's some that you might have office supplies, food, coffee. So each month you can show the category and the total of how much was spent on each category. Your finance person will just love, love, love you for this. Staple the receipts or create a file with the receipts scanned or an email, emailed to a file. Somehow everything needs to be tracked. There needs to be a trail between your categorized expenses like total. I spent $5,000 this month on coffee. Well, not really, but you better have $5,000 worth of receipts. And that would be a series of receipts unless you happen to spend $5,000 of coffee on one day. You need a paper trail or an electronic trail. So once a month, if you can categorize your spending if you happen to have a debit card. Of course, you know, you really should not be spending more money than you take in. All right, this is kind of like household expense 101. And one way to help you keep track of when you're going too far with your spending is a budget, a budget. So a budget is a guess and a budget is also a guide. And it's kind of an important document. You guess or anticipate how much money is coming in. Maybe your church has a track record, a history of what the giving is. And then you allot so many dollars to each area of ministry without going over the total income. So if, say, your income is $120 a year, that's $10 a month you can spend max. Then each month, your finance person should be able to show you what that month's projected budget amount was, and you can compare that to your monthly expenses. And so that report is going to show you the budget versus how reality stacked up against it. Did you overspend in an area? And did you underspend in another? Do we need to be cautious about spending in the upcoming months 
or are we kind of on track about where we'd guess we would be? Now, you do not get demerits for overspending. I mean, you don't want to keep doing it to the point where, where you pull everything into the red. That is a bad thing. But the budget is designed to guide you and help you know where exactly you are and whether you are on track or not. Now, one thing about a budget is it really tells you where the heart of your church ministry is. If you hear nothing else on this podcast, I really would want you to hear this because you fund what you're passionate about. You know, you can't say you cannot. I want to make sure you heard that. You cannot say you are passionate about families with young children and then not budget one single penny for the ministry to families with young children. I'm just saying, it's just, it's like your personal checkbook. How you spend your money says where your priorities are. It's the same for your church. So if your church has a massive focus on, say, a homeless ministry, I would hope that you would have a line item, an item in your budget that says, here's how much we're going to spend. Maybe you're going to pack lunches and deliver them to where the homeless people are. You need to have a guess about how much money that's going to cost you, and you need to have that line item, that item in your budget, showing that. So the interesting thing is you could pull out your existing budget and look at it and see what areas are funded. Now, don't freak out when your income and your pay takes up a nifty portion of the budget because, you know, healthcare expenses, if your church provides that for you and salaries are, you know, they're not cheap. But hopefully you do have additional monies beyond you where you can spend on ministry and those items will be itemized. Your items will be itemized. That makes perfect sense, right? Right. Hey, Margie Bryce here, and I have something free for you. If you are unsure of what your mindset is when it comes to self-care, if you know you should do self-care, but you're just not sure how to get that rolling, how to get started, I have a free ebook for you, and it is about radical self-care, and it will get you started thinking about it and has lots of helpful information. Actually, what it is more than anything else is a journal style kind of piece that will help you work through the process of self-evaluation so you get a sense of where you are with self-care. So to get this free ebook, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. And you can access it from there and it can help you get started on the self-care that you know you should be doing anyway and get you started maybe on taking some definitive action to ensure that you have the sustainability necessary to go the distance with God. I want to talk for a minute about income 
And over time, you're going to learn the ebb and flow of income and spending. You know, some groups have their people offer an idea of how much they're going to be donating each year. And this kind of helps for planning, but other, other churches don't. But you should have access to some income information so you can kind of see the giving patterns. Like January and summer might be lower income months. And December is typically a big giving month because people are ensuring that they are finishing up their giving year well, catching up for times when they weren't able to give because they were on vacation, which is always an argument for online giving, the get it, set it, and forget it. (laughs) So (laughs) the giving continues. That's a heavy argument for that. But giving shows one picture one aspect of how people are owning the ministry of your church. Now, your church is has a tax status. We just love talking about taxes, don't we? It's a 501c3 tax status. That's nonprofit. Just know that if you do some creative things like rent out a portion of your building, you're probably going to have to pay taxes on that income because technically you are nonprofit. But there are some allowances for that situation. So, and at the end of the year, taxes, let me just head in that direction as well. When you have a 501c3 tax status, this allows people to give to the church and then get a receipt for their giving, which they can then use as a deduction on their taxes. So it's kind of a big deal. It's a big deal for your finance people to handle this and handle this well because giving people their their receipts for the previous year's giving, I think you have a deadline to do that. And that's kind of been a moving thing a bit since COVID. So I'm not going to timestamp it here, but your finance people ought to know when that is. The sooner the better. And if everything is electronic, then it should be a piece of cake to just generate those giving receipts. And here's something, you definitely want qualified people to handle the money and the accounting of that money and the receipting. So you're probably going to want to separate the check writing people from the income handling people, just a separation of powers there. And it's just wise financial best practices to separate them like that. You know, these are just some quick basics for the information that you might be looking at. I want to tell you not to be afraid to ask your finance people questions. They may have a lot of insight on the historic basis of your particular church than you have. And I need to say this. I do need to say this because I never have to make stuff up. I never do. But if you as a ministry leader are not allowed to have access to the financial information, I'm not talking about who's giving what. That's a whole other conversation. But the big number, here's the total. And and then the bills being paid. If you don't have access to the big picture financial information and they won't give it to you, this is a problem. This is a big problem. You know, if after repeated requests, you are still stonewalled, you need to connect with a denominational supervisor 
And if that doesn't get you satisfaction, you keep you need to keep going up the chain until it is resolved. Keeping secrets, especially financial s- secrets from the pastor is an indication that there is something going on. I mean, it could be as simple as the finance person isn't as skilled as they thought they were and they're just embarrassed to to show this. Somehow they got put into a position that they really weren't qualified. Or it could mean that there's some serious mismanagement going on. If you're in an independent church and you have no supervisor, then this is your moment to set the expectation that you will be receiving reports monthly. And I mean, give it deadlines and consequences. This could be an opportunity for passive-aggressive. As a pastor saying, I'm not going to blank until you uh, share this information with me because it's appropriate that I, as a leader here, have this information so I know best how to guide and lead this group. And you may have to play hardball. You know, if you need some coaching help with this, feel free to connect with me at Margie at MargieBryce.com. I have helped some pastors in these situations, but they you need that piece. You need to know that. And if somebody is not allowing you to have access to that financial information, you know, finance is a realm of power. And so somebody is harboring some power that they ought not to be harboring. Just saying. Lastly, but not leastly, is how pastors are paid. By now, you may have noticed that being a pastor puts you in the category of a contract employee. You are a contract employee. This means that you are required to pay both halves of your Social Security, which I think is in the neighborhood of 7%. Typically, an employer pays 7% and you pay 7%. Make sure you attend to this. So your category is that you're a 1099 employee and you can Google how to pay taxes that way. In some cases, nothing is taken out of your check. They don't take any taxes out. And then you need to stay on top of that. You would need to be making quarterly payments to the state and to the federal IRS Um, And you want to stay on top of that because it is very difficult to catch up if you get behind. And that is separate from the Social Security issue. Some churches will at least take out federal and state taxes for you. And then you want to make sure that the people that are doing that understand how to pay those on your behalf for you. Lastly, housing allowance. You know, if you are given a parsonage to live in, then your church probably also pays utilities unless you have to pay them. It just depends on your situation. That's an arrangement you can work out. On your taxes, however, you do have to claim fair market rental value for where you're living. And you have the option then as well to keep all receipts related to repairs or items purchased, cleaning supplies, anything you were spending on on the parsonage, 
lawn service, because those can be a tax deduction. You know, if your church pays your rent bill, that money also will need to be claimed on your taxes, but there is a level of housing allowance that is not taxable income. You know, all this is to say you need to work with a CPA to do your taxes or someone who has experience with clergy situations, ones that work with clergy so they understand the legalities. And I like a CPA because they're signing that, uh, they're signing your tax form with you. So if any questions come up along the way, they get to help address those questions with you. This is a situation where you do not want to travel alone. You do not want to end up with a surprise big tax bill because this wasn't attended to because you are a 1099 contract employee and that is how you're paid. So you want to get help, get very specific help. So this is just a, a brief overview of some things that you may encounter as a as a pastor with, say, your first charge or early on, or it's always good to have a good refresher about this. And And I'm always here for you. I am. I would be glad to help you sift and sort out any situation that has you scratching your head with finances. Again, I, this is something that just keeps coming up. And so now I'm thinking, well, maybe we should talk about the practical aspects of this. I'm always here for you. Margie at MargieBryce.com if you need to email me. Um, and any first discussion with you is, and it may just take one, you know, is not something I'm going to charge for anyway. So take care and hope this was helpful for your ministry. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor. <laughs>